Hey there, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. It is a gorgeous day. It's chilly, but it's going to be a sunny day. Actually, probably the best day weather-wise of the week. And that makes me happy because today I have my final day of film shooting, of TV work. For the past three weeks now, I've been working very hard to film the eight remaining episodes for the for this uh, springtime season or it's actually technically still winter but it extends all the way into may and with the coming move ahead uh, i wanted to get that over with with in a certain way not that i that i don't like uh, doing this kind of work but if you have to do it in addition to you know a pretty big event in your life that is I think counted among the most stressful things you can do moving <laughs> at least according to the moving company that I hired um, it it tends to uh, become a little bit too much uh, there's I there's not much I can think of that would be more intense in type in terms of work than producing a TV show from beginning to end. So this afternoon we'll start a little bit later. We hear the garbage truck in the background making the rounds. Um, we, we start at I think 2:30 and then we'll film until eight in the evening and uh, and when, once that is done, all the editing is done by uh, the director cameraman that I hired. Uh, the, only, the only thing left for me is to do the voiceovers. That's not much work, it's just audio work. I can do that with the audio equipment that I will take with me. And the rumbling sound behind me is uh, one of the inhabitants bringing the empty garbage container back. <laughs> And normally, would when I would be filming, this would be uh, one of those sounds that makes you stop the interview. Let's wait for this lady to get back inside. <laughs> um, so it's it's just voiceover work, and and then I have uh, three more episodes really at the end of the season. So that's going to be, I think, in the last three weeks of May. I'm not exactly sure. Those are going to be based on uh, my walk to Santiago de Compostela, uh, which I filmed entirely with my iPhone 6. It's hard to believe that it's been this long ago that the iPhone 6 was still, you know, top of the line. Uh, but fortunately, thankfully, it had a pretty good camera. and not, not a very good selfie camera. So whenever I film myself... Uh, it's pretty grainy and um, it's not even HD. Uh, plus, it didn't have a wide-angle lens back then. But everything I filmed with the regular camera actually looks surprisingly good. The computational um, image processing that um, Apple does also works wonders on video material. And despite the fact that you couldn't zoom in on anything or... Uh, do like shallow depth of focus I still figured out a lot of neat little camera tricks to make the overall result look much more professional 
than uh, than you'd think with a phone. So what I want to go, what I want to do is go back um, to all that material and tell a different story that I told than the one I told a few years ago when I did a, a one episode summary, basically. And back then I focused more on this one like breakthrough that I experienced um, which was I wanted to go on this uh, trip to Santiago because it was the 20th year of my priesthood this year is going to be my 25th year of the priesthood and um, I felt it was time for a new like a new phase in my life uh, like almost like what sometimes couples do after they've been married for a while they renew their vows and sometimes they even go on a trip together um, or what families may experience when uh, there is a new phase in their life the kids leave the home for instance they go and study and live outside and then you know you're there with the two of you and you wonder if it's not a, a good moment to dive deeper into the relationship um, and also maybe prepare for, you know, a, a, new, a new stage in your life. And that's kind of how I felt back then at the 20th anniversary of my um, uh, ordination. I'd never thought, by the way, that the 25th year of my ordination would also be such a game-changing year where so much would happen. Not just the pandemic, although that is probably... <laughs> the biggest thing happening right now in my life and in your life but it's also the sudden change uh, of uh, a flock basically is migrating from a, a real life par parish flock to uh, much more the ongoing digital parish that I've been running ever since I started this media work <clears throat> but to be able to dedicate also all my pastoral care to tending that flock that is new and I never expected that when 25 years ago I was ordained a priest uh, the internet was in its infancy <laughs> and I had no idea that I'd ever be doing this work so uh, five years ago or four years ago I made a, an episode focusing ma mainly on that process where I felt that the road to Santiago was going to bring me answers, deeper insights, maybe a new direction. And ultimately, it was mainly an experience of um, a very physical experience, much more physical than I thought. Um, and a lot of it had to do with abandoning um, kind of the, the false securities the things you think you need on the way and then discover that you can do without and mostly that is counted in pounds so every pound that you can shed uh, you don't have to carry along with you and that is true for the luggage uh, and what you put in your backpack and it's even true for your physical weight the lighter you are uh, the easier it is and the less problems you get with your knees and your feet and whatnot. 
it's funny that five years later I feel like I'm in the same in a similar situation where I have to shed the pounds of what I own the my physical belongings and also again <laughs> the challenge to get back into shape uh, the moment I'm settled in my new place because if there's anything that has suffered quite a bit over the past months it is my physical health uh, by the sheer exhaustion the, the emotional and psychological exhaustion of being in this uh, tense situation where people want want you to go uh, you need to go you don't want to <laughs> there's this this uh, mourning process of letting go of something you're used to and are quite happy with to be honest and embracing something that you don't know and hoping for the best and then all the you know psychological ups and downs of going through a process like that uh, that that has not been very healthy <laughs> and didn't sleep uh, very well over the past months didn't eat healthy didn't give myself much time actually to work on uh, on my health uh, but that process is almost over and I'm looking forward to uh, running my next marathon which hopefully will be Rotterdam in the fall and if not <laughs> we'll see what, what we can do but I can certainly look forward to lots of walking lots of bike riding and uh, probably also quite a bit of running unfortunately the town that I moved to is situated next to a fantastic nature reserve, which is uh, one of the most beautiful ones in in my country. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. So it's it's shedding uh, physical pounds, uh, getting back on track health-wise, just as uh, I did while walking the Camino. Um, I remember that I was actually not in very good shape I did train but absolutely not enough I wasn't really used to walking afterwards I've been much more of a, a walking person but back then this was a relatively new type of exercise for me and I I did pay the price at the beginning <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> over time it uh, it really has boosted my overall health and also my spiritual and psychological health I think the the entire process has been incredibly um, beneficial to me on all levels and ultimately of course the insights and the <laughs> the spiritual journey still emerged it just took longer and it came in a different way than I expected it to but so the first <clears throat> episode that I made about that trip was uh, based on that and I barely um spend time uh, in the edit on on showing just ever, all the aspects in the beautiful landscape and the history of um, of the pilgrimage and I think that almost 80% of the footage ended up on the cutting room floor now I can go back and revisit that material and in a certain way which all is always the case when you go back to older material even when you browse through your own archive of photos you kind of relive relive those moments in your life and you rethink them and you even in a certain way narrate them again from from a from another perspective which which kind of also may impact the narrative 
Um, which doesn't mean it's, it's falsifying history, but it is like layering your perception of, of history, very much like the Bible does. You know, when you read accounts about historical events in the, in the Bible, often they were written down years later, decades later, or sometimes even centuries later, which, of course, adds also a lot of layers of experience and interpretation to the story, which oftentimes enriches the, its meaning. That's how we humans are, are made. We, uh, we often revisit things of the past and, and, and connect them to what's happening right now. And those experiences from the past infuse kind of our, our choices today. That's what I hope will happen when I edit the, the footage again. And I'll make it a little bit broader. So uh, maybe I will find some time in between the sessions of packing and preparing for the move to... Uh, ideally, I would like to finish those three episodes as well so that I'm totally done with the season um, because I don't, I'm not exactly sure um, what my work situation will be um, starting April 1st. So I'm going to move on the 1st of April. That was the date that was given to me. And uh, uh, in the, the current inhabitants of the, home, of the house um, will have finished moving because they're taking it slow. They're, it's an elderly couple. Uh, they're moving to a, um, a more specialized um, home for, where they can receive a little bit more care. Um, but it's just across the road, so they want to do it themselves, and they are going to take their time, which is fine with me. But it means that, at least for the first two weeks, I won't be able to move in. So I'm going to put my furniture and the boxes with all the stuff uh, in a few rooms, <clears throat> already in the in the new home. And then when they're out of the house, that's when renovation will start. And we had a meeting um, the beginning of this week where we went over some of the necessary refurbishments and it's, uh, I was glad that I wasn't the only one who saw some of the defects um, and some of the things that really need fixing and we're still kind of looking at how much do we do now and uh, is there anything that we can do later but I, I wouldn't want to get in a situation where I'll, I'll be in half a home for the, for the next five years um, so I'd rather take a little bit more time and do it right uh, at the beginning. But, of course, that will still take a few more weeks. Um, I'm going to stay with a friend of mine uh, who is also a priest. And he said, you know, uh, it's no problem if, uh, if you want to extend your stay for, I don't know, a month and a half, maybe even two months. That's fine. There's no rush. And uh, his rectory is pretty close to the rectory where I will be uh, uh, staying or living which I can actually now reveal <laughs> this is all a lead up to uh, the big reveal <laughs> not that it's going to mean anything to most of you because it's just a town a small town here in the Netherlands which uh, even the Dutch are probably not very familiar with oh that was a nice little doggy looked just like uh, uh, Tintin's dog same type very small uh, 
Only this one is not entirely white. I think he's called Snowy in English. Uh, but this one is more colored like a cow. <laughs> so it's snow white with deep black patches like that. Very, very beautiful dog. So I am going to move to the town of Benicom. Um, and I had to look it up, honestly. Uh, it's uh, located near... A, a city that is more... It's not even a city, I think. A town m- more known internationally, which is called Wageningen, or Wageningen, um, which has a huge um, agricultural university, uh, and people from all over the world study there to uh, major in all sorts of uh, uh, agricultural, uh, environmental types of sciences. So... Uh, it has quite a large international community, which obviously changes uh, every year. And a large part of that, or a large part, a, a part of that international community is Catholic. And so my friend, uh, Father Henry, which some of you may be familiar with because of the podcasts in the past, uh, Father Henry is a uh, study friend. We've been in seminary together. We were ordained together uh, with uh, a few other uh, uh, priests. And we've stayed in touch uh, over the years because every time we went on vacation... Oh, the both of us actually studied in Rome. We're from the same diocese, obviously. And uh, in Rome we befriended uh, two other priests. And uh, since then we always go on summer vacation together, which is a lot of fun because we're very different (laughs) and at the same time we all kind of love traveling and discovering new places and Henry is like a walking Wikipedia (laughs) he knows so much about mostly about history and about culture Um, it's always a a joy to uh, to travel with him because when I'm recording my uh, my podcasts and my audio documentaries um, it's he is a great source of information so that I can replicate it and pretend that I am also very knowledgeable about history and cultures, which I'm actually not. (laughs) So, but he's a great guy, he's a great priest, and he's been uh, working hard over the past years to set up um, an international, or to create an international community for Catholic, for Catholic students. And so he's been doing international mass for a, a number of years now on Sunday around the same time as we do it. Um, so they also started at 12.30, and then they um, decided to uh, go to 1 o'clock in the afternoon so that Father Henry could also do two more Masses uh, because he's a, a priest of a number of parish churches. Uh, he's, he's very excited that I'm uh, coming over to, to live in his parish, Um, I won't be a member of the pastoral team um, because, of course, I've been uh, freed up to focus on media work. But, of course, as you can imagine, I'm a priest. I can celebrate Masses and they hopefully have uh, locations that may welcome me for for Sunday Mass. So, uh, But we've made it very clear to everyone that that is not the reason that I'm living there. This This is just a place where I live. Uh, whereas my focus will always, the priority will always be on media production. But if 
if it's possible and if we if they need me i'll be there for them so that's very cool plus of course it's great to have a, a good friend nearby and uh we can uh plot together to uh, figure out how to reach world domination <laughs> we're both avid risk players i have to add to that so <laughs> we've been we've been uh, working for world domination since our ordination <laughs> And sometimes Father Henry takes the lead always with the straight, same strategy, uh, building up in Australia, trying to get North America. And then from there, um, you know, over, <laughs> overwhelm the world with military power. And I'm more of the, the more pragmatic uh, tactician. So I take whatever continents I can get. I try to always um, get as many countries as possible. So I'm going for quantity because quantity yields more armies. More armies means build up. Build up means you can get further in the game. So two very different strategies, <laughs> almost indicative of our uh, uh, characterological differences. But it's always it's always fun to uh, have someone to spar with to um, develop ideas and. Uh, also just be a general support for for one another the four of us the four priests actually uh we we also know that whatever happens in our lives will all be always be there for one another and and we can listen but we are also not afraid to give advice or to go against someone's opinion and i think we challenge each other quite a bit which is i think important not not all priests have that type of back and forth so i've always find find found it very uh uh inspiring to 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 uh know these three other priests sometimes also frustrating <laughs> because when when you have four opinionated priests and uh, you have to decide on so many things during a vacation it, it can get on my nerves because I'm usually <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm usually in charge of what I want to do and uh, well Father Henry is just like that he, uh, he's got plenty of ideas and he likes to push forward so there the clashes are also part of the, of the group dynamic but, which makes it even more interesting so Benicom is uh, uh, a small town well actually there are almost no small towns in the Netherlands. There was another village uh, that had a beautiful church and a rectory that first invited me to come over and live there. But as I think I shared, the issue there was that half of the rectory was already uh, rented to uh, an insurance company. And so the uh, ground level was... A very modern type of, uh, uh, you know, small small office. Nobody lived there, but it also means that there was no entrance. There was no real separation between the two floors. The upper floor had been empty since the priest who lived there um, moved out years and years and years ago, and basically they just left it as is. The house uh, was not isolated uh, very well. Uh, there was no entrance, so they had to... Uh, in order for me to live there, they would have to create another staircase outside of the building and then uh, make a new door. They had to replace all the windows. They had to isolate the floor 
um, with uh, sound absorbing material so that the the office downstairs wouldn't uh, be troubled by, you know, I don't know, the noise I make or vice versa. Uh, Plus all the electricity, uh, internet, everything had to be redone. Um, uh, uh, Bathroom, shower, it was all from the 50s. And all in all, that would have taken at least two months. Um, And they were so kind and so enthusiastic about it. But it would mean two months of uh, uh, almost, for me, a camping situation uh, with all my stuff in storage, which is also costly. And then uh, usually these these, uh, renovation projects take more time than everyone expects. So, but it was a great, but it was a tiny village. It was really, really small. There was only one small supermarket, and that's it. No other shops. It was located on the countryside. So all you see when you look from the window of the apartment is uh, <clears throat> green, uh, green, green grass and cows. Just a very typical Dutch landscape that was also the type of environment where I lived uh, during the first years of my priesthood. Um, and a, a small Catholic community, not very church-going anymore, but that's almost <laughs> the whole, everywhere in the Netherlands. Uh, with a church that is way too big and probably will not survive in the future as just for the Catholic community there. So it was a great option, Um, albeit with some downsides. The other downside for me was to live really on the countryside. Um, So for my social network, I don't know anyone there, Um, not in the village, and since I won't be a pastor, you don't get those natural connections from you know, just being their shepherd, basically. But also in the cities surrounding the village, I just don't know anyone. And it would mean a total reset of my social situation, which I wasn't looking forward to, to be honest. This is very different. The Benecombe is located between the town of Wageningen and uh, and Ede, Ede is another city uh, which is, actually has exploded quite a bit over time. Um, it's much more modern than Wageningen, uh, so it's got all the media stores and the um, even even the the, the, the town of, of Benicom has uh, you know just all the regular stores, which is just convenient. You don't have to take the car to go uh, get your groceries. But I can just walk to the to the center, and it just I don't know feels lively. We just uh, uh, made a tour around the town, and it was like well, I can see myself living here. This feels I don't know. It's not a city, so it doesn't have all the downsides of the noise and the city problems. But it's also not this just a remote, tiny little village out in nowhere, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. So perfect for me, perfect balance. Uh, and I've I already know quite a few people in those towns surrounding Benicom, um, and that is because about half a year ago I went there to film um, a documentary about or a TV episode about the international community and about uh, a Marian shrine, which is also part of the parish, and they had their yearly 
procession and I saw I interviewed people there and a lot of the people that live there have seen that TV episode. Even the people that currently live in my home, when I went to visit and to look around and take some measurements, they're like, but you are the priest from TV. Oh my gosh. So you are coming to live in, oh, what an honor to be, you know, the <laughs> the precursors of, uh, of you. And, uh, they were like so excited about uh, me coming coming to live there because of, obviously they, they are members of the parish there and uh, so it was a very warm welcome but also I feel like the people there know me a little bit so I'm not a total stranger and I don't know psychologically that feels great to come to a place and some of these people from the Marian Shrine are even fans you know they follow me on, on Facebook and Instagram they like every photo that I post and it's like that's so cool to have some social media followers in uh, my new home or, or in the town where I'm going to live. Uh, this is uh, just a big pool of mud here. I'm trying to determine how to cross it without... I'm going to jump. One, two. Oh, there we go. I still have to wear these shoes tonight when we're filming, so I don't want to be all muddy. <laughs> um... So, but anyway, it, it, it is a really good location. The house itself uh, is uh, from it's built in the 50s of the previous century, so it is kind of old. It's very similar to the first option that I had. Also needs some renovating, but less. Um, the ceilings have to be redone, or part of the ceilings, uh, because they're still made of this softboard material, which is extremely flammable, and I think actually is not even allowed anymore nowadays so that will have to be replaced with uh, with a more modern uh, ceiling and uh, also the shower and toilet are <laughs> straight from the 50s which is great it's very vintage but um, the, the 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 parish people um, told me like this is not acceptable we can't rent it out to you like that so maybe we'll create a separate bathroom or I don't know renovate the, those two but the rest of the house is really, really nice. Um, from the outside, it looks really ugly. Like it's a, a lot of the houses and churches, by the way. There's also a church next to that dedicated to uh, Maria Regina. So I think that's it. Or Virgo. Virgo Maria something. So it's well, anyway, the church is dedicated to the Virgin Mary, but it's a modern church built in the 50s. And that was just a time after World War II where people didn't have much money. They had a ton of energy and a, a lot of enthusiasm. But <laughs> everything had to be built cheaply and uh, architecturally. Uh, there wasn't much luxury. It just had to be functional, had to be big enough for the Catholic community, which in Benicom is actually all import. This is the beginning of... Uh, our Dutch Bible Belt. So it's uh, an area where all the villages are still um, Calvinist. It's like a very you know, strict, strict Protestantism. Um, and so most most of the Catholics that live there are from other towns, moved there for for work or whatever. Which has, I think, resulted in a very energetic, enthusiastic community there. Um, 
but the church itself is nothing special the house is also uh not very pretty on the outside however on the inside it's really nice because well first of all i'll have the house to myself which after having lived for 15 years now in a shared housing situation where there's always down the stairs or next to the uh, my apartment uh, our our parish uh, hot rooms and there's always noise and there's always uh, there are always people around you <laughs> I don't know it's it's just this this idea of having a house that is truly mine or well it's not mine but where I don't have to share it with a, a parish fills me with joy <laughs> there is something about being able and to have two stairs it was two floors basically so the living room and the kitchen are on ground level and I love the living room because it has it's kind of a small L shape so it's a basically a, a rectangular room which is quite large um, there's a door that leads into a garden and there's a there's a separation between the parish garden and uh, the rectory garden so that's cool to actually have you know some some grass around the house and some trees um, so the the large rectangular living room or it's not that large but it's kind of long separated by a small wall that also in- integrates the um, the safe every priest in the past pastor of a parish would have a safe in the in his living quarters where they would store for instance the baptismal records oftentimes also the money uh, for the uh, the collection money etc administration because priests in those days would do a lot of that stuff as well now it's all outsourced and we kind of have a always have a, a community of uh, lay people that um, that also take care of a lot of that administrative stuff but the safe is still there and so they build a small wall and there is also it's combined with a chimney and <laughs> the cool thing is there is a uh, uh, what you call it like a fi- not a fireplace but um, a stove uh, like something you would see in you know old houses where you can put some blocks of wood in there and it, it generates this this I don't know classic heat and so they asked me uh, the, the, the thing is uh, owned by I think a parishioner do you want us to remove it like by all means no please <laughs> because that it, when I saw that it's like this is this feels so hobbity to, <laughs> to have a stove there and then um, so because the this rectangular uh, living room is, is separated by there's a smaller room um, and they put it like a collapsible uh, what is it separation because the current owners are using the smaller room uh, near the safe as a room for their grandchildren to play so it's full of toys and stuff but if you take that out it's kind of almost like a second room on the ground level floor and I'm thinking well this just triggers me to do something I've always wanted to do and that is to create like this circular separation between the two 
in the shape of a hobbit um, hole. Um, you know, in, when you're in uh, Bag End, like the rooms are separated by these round, almost, almost look like portals. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to find myself a carpenter who can make that for me. Something in the style of a hobbit. Because the combination with the stove and everything, and the, even the, the, the floor, it's this, uh, this wooden floor, uh, no carpet on it, and it's uh, uh, kind of, um, how do you call it, it's varnish, uh, dark brown varnish. It, it just told me, this, is cause this feels like Hobbiton. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up that to the next degree. At least right now in my mind I'm doing that. I don't know if I will have time or if it's even possible to do that. But anyway, it's so one of those houses you, you, you step in and you're like, oh, I'm in love. I, this is so great. Um, and then the other side of the living room has, has a small protrusion, um, which, which is just big enough for a small table. So you can sit there and read the newspaper what is a newspaper? Browse my iPad. <laughs> or even, certainly at the beginning, just sit there for work and uh, put a laptop there. And it's nice. The sun is on the backside of the house, so you always have sun in the morning, when the sun is shining, of course, obviously. Let me see, I have to look at the time because... Oh, it's 10 o'clock. I need to go back. Because Inge and Henk are coming over to help me pack. Uh... So all in all, it's just a gift from heaven. <laughs> this house—it's so, it's so nice. And then uh, when we visited to uh, to look at the at the house, the uh, current owners told us that in a few a few minutes from their home, you're already walking in the woods. And it's you know it's like here. I love to do that too. But here there's a, this this highway next to me that makes a lot of noise. There is quite a bit of traffic around the rectory there because it's uh, one of the main roads so I expect there to be maybe even more noise in and around the house uh, as there is now but the the nature reserve is huge and you can walk there for hours and hours without encountering one single car so the future episodes of the walk I think audio-wise are going to be really great. <laughs> so, and, and right now, I'm uh, really, really happy that despite the hard work, and these, these weeks have been crazy, um, I do have the help of, uh, of Inge and Henk to uh, not only help me physically with the uh, packing, but also helping me decide. What I'm doing is I'm using the move for um, a decluttering process but that means that you have to make a ton of micro decisions so for instance as I told you last time I'm getting rid of 90% of my books Um, and it was the what was it the 20 rule so if I can replace something by uh, with an identical copy or something similar for an amount less than 20 euros I can get rid of it. It's not a big deal. If I ever need it, I can buy it. Um, and that is true for most books. Uh, there, so what I did was I, I packed all my books in boxes. They were in the attic for more than a year now. 
and I haven't opened a single box looking for a particular book. As you know, I'm reading a lot, but I'm always reading on the Kindle or listening to audiobooks, and that will continue. So I don't need physical books. Now that, of course, if you've ever moved and you own a big collection of books, it's one of the bulkiest, heaviest, most cumbersome things to move. So uh, Hank Inge went through the books, took out some of the books that they wanted to keep, and then the rest goes to an organization that uh, sells uh, the things to help the church in Romania, or they bring it there. Uh, so also a lot of the gear and uh, kitchen utensils that I don't no longer need, it's all going to, uh, to welfare. Uh, but then <laughs> just the, the toughest thing for me to do was to, to uh, sort through all the equipment and the hundreds and hundreds of cables and plugs and oh, cameras, audio equipment... Uh, that process, we've only finished half of it. There's a, two more uh, big collections of, of equipment we have to sort through. But it took us already an entire day, and uh, it was really great to be able to do that with, you know, with Inge uh, kind of like pr- proposing, I think we can throw this away, and I could um, say, sure. Or, no, wait a minute, that, that particular cable is really necessary for this type of equipment. Of course, I know what belongs to which device. But the pre-sorting just sped up the process tremendously. And I got rid of half of it, probably more than half of it. Um, I'm talking about boxes and boxes of old equipment, cables. Um, and a lot of it is really not that... Uh, interesting anymore for, for to to sell secondhand or put it up on eBay uh, because it's just small cable work but there's copper in it so the welfare organization will also gather all that stuff and then they just sell the copper for a you know that's that's valuable if you have enough of it so I'm very glad that I have until April 1st to uh, try to reduce the clutter as much as possible. Lego, that's another huge collection that I've built up. At least in my eyes, it's huge, considering that a few years ago I did not own any Lego. Um, But it's... uh, Because I've been doing all these video projects, etc., a lot of it is just loose pieces and blocks and bricks... So I've been sorting that stuff out and uh, uh, color coding it. That is a very intensive, time-consuming project, but also very gratifying. I like sorting stuff and (laughs) making everything neat. So uh, the Lego collection, that is big. and That was actually one of the reasons that I decided to go with a moving company instead of trying to do it myself with volunteers. Uh, I, we went back and forth over it for a while uh, because, of course, a moving company is not cheap. <laughs> this will cost me a couple of thousand uh, euros. I think right now the entire moving process costs 29, 2,900. 
It's almost 3,000 euros. That is a lot of money. But I was like, I've got all these, these Lego buildings, etc. Um, I need boxes for that. I need to have a company that will move it with care. And, you know, if I go try to do this with my own car or even with a small van, I would have to go back and forth between my town or my current rectory and the new one at least seven to eight times, which means every time you have to organize the volunteers, uh, you have to bring it there, drive back. Maybe you can do two runs in a day, but it's just going to take up so much time. And so my rationale was, yes, it's expensive, but it's also a way for me to declutter my mind. It's not that I'm, you know, I, I... I have time off or anything. I'm, <laughs> I need every every uh, day that I can get because of the filming and the editing. So if I can make uh, three episodes uh, about the Camino, and with that I've I've completely finished the entire TV s- uh, season. Doing three episodes myself is uh, going to yield fifteen thousand euros. That's the kind of like amount that they will will pay for three episodes so and of course that's not for me that goes to to tridio to reinvest in our productions but still tridio also pays my salary so all in all i'm generating uh, fifteen thousand euros by being able to spend my time on editing and i pay a company uh less than three thousand to free up almost, I would say easily, a week of work. A full week of work. Well, you know, that's a, that's a good trade. That's a really good trade. Plus, once I've finished the TV episode, there's an additional amount of, of peace of mind. So, it, was, it, it took me a while. I'm always very stingy. Uh, which is, I think, it's kind of part of how I... Uh, how I w- work with money it's I've always uh, realized that the my I'm I'm living because of the generosity of the people that support me uh, as, a, as a priest I receive a salary from the Catholic community so it feels different than making money selling pizzas if you, if you see what I mean this is this is gifted money so I feel a responsibility to always be very uh, careful. Maybe I'm pushing it too far. I'm super stingy, and I always try to get a discount, or, or even the filming, you know this from maybe earlier stories, where I go to Rome, and I, I try to find this cheapest flight, usually a leftover chair. I go to the cheapest hotel. Sometimes I, I take an entire day to find this, this one small room somewhere in Rome where they can rent it out for, I don't know, 30 bucks a night. And I save myself a couple of hundred bucks. And then when I'm there, I basically, I, the only kind of spare time I, I give myself is to go out for a gelato. And the rest is all work, 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 so that I can make five episodes. And thereby, of course, save me a number of trips to Rome and the, addition, and the uh, connected expenses. And, but it's so it's 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 
maybe being feeling too responsible for money. That is why at first I was like, oh, can't we move this ourselves? I mean, geez, that's a, that's a lot of money. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I, I need to rethink this. Yes, but that, that's also the cost for professional work. I know that it's going to be done quickly, safely. It's all insured as well. So if they break something, uh, it'll, get, it'll get reimbursed. Whereas, I, you know, I have all this equipment. If I move it myself and, I, and something drops to the floor or I have volunteers and, I don't know, they, they, the, the, something happens to the camera equipment that could easily uh, cr- create additional costs that go into the thousands, especially if it's the more, you know, uh, expensive uh, equipment. All that is covered as well. So that is worth something. Um, and it, also that decision... Um, I, I was just going back and forth and I just didn't know what to do and talked over it, it, talked it over with Henk and Inge and they both said, you know, sure, yeah. Uh, we'd rather do it ourselves as well. But we're, we're getting close to Easter. It's already been such a stressful time. Just do it. Uh, and, and have that peace of mind. And that is, in the end going to be much more beneficial to you than, than saving a little bit of money and so I was like yeah you're right actually it was easy much easier to make tough decisions when you have uh, some friends that you can discuss it with speaking of friends I can see their bikes here in front of the rectory the uh, St. Joseph's Church this is I'm recording this on the feast day of St. Joseph's it's bathing bathing in the morning sunlight under a blue sky and uh, it's time to join my friends and get some stuff done. All right, thank you for listening. Hello. <laughs> and uh, it is uh, uh, more of a... Hey, buongiorno. Hey, hey. <laughs> I was uh, still recording. Yeah, I'm recording a podcast. But I think I'm backing it's upstairs. So um, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed next week. But... Uh, Things are are getting real. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. God bless.